Welcome to Inflection Point, the path to IPO, an exploration of technology investing trends across private and public markets. Tech investing has been highly specialized in both the public and private spheres, employing different skill sets and strategies depending on stage, sector, and capital structure. As the investing ecosystem grows and matures, new approaches have begun to blur the lines between seed, early stage, venture, growth rounds, and public markets. A crossover investor is a fund that builds a bridge between private equity and public markets. It operates concurrently on both sides, private and public, and in some cases, perhaps most critically, can serve as a cornerstone in the transition from one side to the other. This strategy has propagated globally with subtle distinctions based on region, risk appetite, and ecosystem rigor. We explore these fundamental market shifts in our written report, which will be released with the final episode of this podcast. During our research, we had the opportunity to interview various thought leaders to get their perspective on these dynamics. Though we include some of the key commentary in our written report, we decided there was tremendous value in sharing the audio recordings with you, the listener, to provide an intimate look through the lens of people operating day in and day out in this space. The first six episodes will feature startup founders and executives sharing their perspective on the path to IPO. In the final episode, you'll hear from industry-leading bankers and investors outlining the best practices they've developed through years of experience overseeing the process. We hope you find these conversations thought-provoking and insightful. This podcast was produced by Revaya, an ESG-focused global growth equity investor headquartered in Europe with offices in Paris and Berlin. The following is not intended as financial advice, and Revaya and guests may hold positions in some of the companies referenced during the show. This is episode seven, Experts Weigh In. Today, you will hear a culmination of our report into crossover investing and the path to IPO from a variety of experts. The first six episodes were dedicated to the founder's perspective. To tie that all together, we also spoke to several thought leaders in finance and investing whose technical know-how and proximity to the process shed even more light onto the subject at hand. Throughout this episode, you will hear clips from various interviews across three key themes, the role of the crossover investor, IPO readiness, and market trends worth considering for the future. The panel of experts you will hear from today include Guillaume Morelli, head of listing France, Spain, Portugal at Euronext, Jonathan Banet, equity capital market syndicate manager at Natixis, Maëlys Ferrer, director of the large venture division of BPI France, Clément Pointillard, Executive Director at Verlinvest, and Gilles Sitbon, Portfolio Manager at Sycamore Asset Management. I will be guiding you through today's multi-guest episode, highlighting important concepts and introducing the contributors to each clip. We hope you enjoyed these unique insights from industry experts to close out Inflection Point, the path to IPO. But before we dive in, a few words from Elina Barivi, one of Revaya's founding partners. Responsible crossover investors can leverage their position and domain expertise to support promising scale-ups in preparation for their public debut and the operational challenges that come with it. Besides layering on a value system and convictions around 
environmental, social and governance principles will make for a more inclusive, climate conscious and net positive digital transformation. Our research seeks to unpack terminology surrounding the path to IPO by providing a definition for crossover investing and segmenting the types of investors in the capital markets. We highlighted share trades and distinct differences that make this corner of the investing ecosystem thrive. Ultimately, our aim is to better understand the behavior and macro trends surrounding crossover investing. We also think it can be an effective tool for long-term growth and responsible investment in Europe and around the world. Thanks for listening. Now I hand it over to our group of IPO experts to share their first-hand experience on the subject. One of the stated purposes of this report was to explore the role of the crossover investor. We've heard the experience from founders, but here we'll turn to their peer group to get a sense for why they play such an important role in the ecosystem. Clément Pointillard of Verlinvest highlights how their public mindset and conviction leads to unparalleled speed. Maëlys Ferrer of BPI France outlines her views on different styles of crossover investors and how each category ensures the success of an IPO. And Guillaume Morelli of Euronext reinforces the increasing importance of such an investor class, along with their role in building confidence and trust in the very early days of a public company. According to him, it's never too early to begin conversations with potential crossover partners. Here's Clément Pointillard. Yeah, what we appreciated in working with the crossover investor is the, the speed of their work. I think they apply um, a public mindset of, first of all, uh, in the background, uh, building very strong conviction on sectors, on macro thesis. And then they are confronted with opportunities and they use the knowledge that they have built and the conviction that they've built in the background to a company, but using a very... Um, fast analysis mindset of, okay, I need to make that trade. Do I, does it fit? Yes or no. Then they're going to have developed a list of KPIs that they want to see that is pretty strict, but pretty um, uh, easy to fill basically. And so what I love about working with crossover investors is that it allows you to get an answer on their, on their level of interest in a very short time frame. Um, that is something that I view as, as valuable. Uh, they tend to be, uh, given their public investment mandate as well, pretty light on governance. So if you have a company that is doing well, that has a well-functioning board, um, that is well on track and, and you know, that has a strong performance, you're bringing an, investors that, an investor that, before anything else, is going to back the existing strategy. And so that I view as, as something that can be great for companies that are you know, that do not necessarily a full reshaping of the, of the governance. Um, and then, they, they, you know, if, if, you, if, if you work closely with them and you, if you ask for them, they, it will not necessarily come, uh, it will not be pushed on you. But if you develop a, a strong relationship with them, 
I found that they can be extremely um, interested in sharing uh, learnings from uh, their other portfolio companies. And so that can be helpful as you prepare for the next stage, which is typically an IPO at that point, um, you know, to talk to, to, to them and with them about, um, about you know, w w what's best practice. Um, finally, uh, obviously, crossover investors bring you some, the, 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 the blue chip stamp of approval that you typically want to see uh, before going to talk to institutional investors. So they bring a, a credibility component sometimes uh, that, that can be valuable. Here's Maëlys Ferrer. Um, so I, I think that crossover, um, uh, it's in Europe, the, the term is not so um, largely used than in the US. Uh, but I have seen that in the US and specifically in the life science sector, for example, it's a, 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 a critical aspect to ensure the success of an IPO. And those guys are coming um, at the last round uh, before IPO and they, they, they give a, 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 um, a huge um, um, uh, undertaking uh, to participate in the IPO. And it makes uh, a significant piece of the success of uh, the IPO. Um, in Europe, um, I've not seen that much. But what happened from the uh, three, four or five last year is the importance of have, have, having uh, cornerstones in order to uh, secure uh, the book of the, place, the placement of the IPO. And more and more during IPO in, in France in particular, but I think it's uh, in uh, all over Europe, uh, you have a dedicated um, uh, dialogue between the founders or the manager of the company and uh, big funds able to take uh, participation for big stunk uh, in, the, in the book. So it's not exactly crossover. It's, cro it's, um, uh, it's really um, uh, cornerstone. And generally, those people are quite long term. Uh, for crossover funds I've seen in the US, they are generally not so long term investors. After the, the, the end of the, of the lockup period, sometimes they, 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 they begin to, to, uh, to sell their, their, their stake. Um, cornerstone, uh, there is the notion of long term investor. And sometimes they are uh, they ask for a representation uh, on the board of the company, which is generally the case of BPI France. Next is Guillaume Morelli. Uh, so a crossover investment is pretty simple: is that uh, investors that have the ability and the capacity and the mindset to, the, to invest either in the public equity market or in the private equity market. And uh, it seems very easy, but in fact, it's not. Uh, because even if they all invest in, the, in, uh, in companies, so they do the same math and they have the same way to look at business model, etc. This is not the same way to face uh, the liquidity, the exit, and the next step. Um, so it's it's really two different mindsets, two different expertise, and crossover funds have have have, have both sides of uh, of uh, of the expertise. Uh, uh, they are becoming more and more important 
because the private equity is becoming more and more important. And so we need people that are able to do a kind of mind the gap between the public and the private equity uh, mindset. The second thing, and uh, it's, it is my cornerstone investor, that we mentioned an IPO takes six months uh, and it may be takes six months to be executed. But in fact, uh, even when you are listed on the very first day of your, of your listing, you're still in kind of a IPO process. And, it, and, and we will appreciate your IPO, not at the first day of the trading, but maybe a year or two years or maybe three years after. Because as a newly listed company, you need to build confidence. You need to build trust. And that's why we encourage and uh, the, the, the use of cornerstone investor at IPO, either a few months before or at the day of the listing, because they will act as, a, as an anchor uh, to reassure you, to help you, and maybe to, um, to cover you if uh, during the first one to two years of being listed, you made a mistake that may happen. It's part of the business. Uh, but because you need to build the confidence with the market, it is important to have people, uh, strong people with strong hands uh, that support you from the beginning of your story. Another thought from Guillaume Morelli. Yes, this is, this is, uh, this is very important. Um, uh, and, and we play a significant role in terms of education on, on this part. Um, because from a, an entrepreneur point of view, they are doing round by round, and uh, then they see that they meet new people, but they don't really understand that, uh, what are the differences between the round A kind of investor and the round D kind of investor. Or at least they, they will learn it when they, when they will meet them. But it's not obvious for them that there is a, uh, this kind of a momentum, a continuum uh, to, uh, to work on. Um, so I think it is very important for them to understand what are the needs, the specificities, and the next step of these investors. Because when you have to negotiate with them, it's better to know uh, the one you negotiate with. And one of our key recommendations um, to prepare a potential IPO is to meet cornerstone uh, investor the soonest as possible, even if you did not launch an IPO process. Um, so, for example, in, in France, we, we build it, uh, uh, what we call the cornerstone club. Uh, it's an uh, uh, investor from the public equity market uh, that agreed to spend time uh, uh, on a monthly basis to meet a potential candidate of an IPO, maybe in two years, maybe in five years, but in order to create a confidence, in order to create a link uh, before you decide to launch an IPO project. And, and if, you, if you learn to know the potential new investor you will have before, when you will ask, when you will be ready to launch a process, um, it will be much more fluid and much more efficient. It's one thing to aspire to an IPO. It's a completely different experience going through the process itself. In our discussion, Clément Pointillard of Vail Invest mentioned that this can be a fascinating moment to be around a business, but stress the time-intensive nature of the exercise. Jonathan Panet from Natixis agreed by indicating the need for an extremely good management team in place to identify the right market window and prevent volatility. Mylise Ferrer of BPA France spoke to the need for maturity and predictability, another responsibility of a strong management team that can execute and deliver regardless of market conditions. Guillaume Morelli of Euronext closes out with some long-term thinking around ambition, 
governance, and perhaps most of all, anticipation. Again from Clément Pointillard. Uh, so now, with regards to the technical process, it is a, it's a very intense exercise to be carried out first and foremost by the management team. It is, a, it is extremely time-consuming. It is very demanding from a, a disclosure standpoint. Uh, and it really involves not only the top management, but also the different regions, the different departments, um, on the related risks, etc. So this is a, a very, very important step and a very time-consuming step for the management. With regards to our involvement, obviously, so this was, you know, I would say in private rounds before, we had probably a much more significant involvement. Here, it's obvious that the day-to-day -day was really led by the management team, just given how um, uh, in the details of, of disclosure, um, uh, this process goes. Um, but as an investor, uh, this remains a, a, a fascinating time to be, uh, to, to, to be around a business. And it's actually also a very time consuming, uh, time consuming exercise for investors because you get involved obviously early on in the decision-making of going public, but then the first step is obviously to select the bank, the banks that you will work with and your lead left which is um, um, uh, a very important step. There is also the, the advisors um, that you may want to may want to add that will be uh, advisors to the company, independent advisors, uh, the likes of uh, Solbury, Lazard, Rothschild, etc. That will that will um, um, not be incentivized the same way the banks are, and which allows you to have sometimes a a different kind of dialogue uh, with. Um, and then in every step of the way, obviously, um, you you will act as a spine partner to the team, to the management team around timing, uh, and then later on uh, during the roadshow around uh, considerations around valuation, around size of the raise, around composition of the book, etc., etc. So it, it is also um, an extremely important step for investors but I, I would like to, to really to 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 to, exp, to remind everyone that the management teams are the ones at the at the forefront of this exercise and uh, and, uh, and 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 doing a lot of a lot of the a lot of the work here here's Jonathan Banet yeah first of all um, first of all it it will take a Many time and, and, and a long time for the for the founders or, or the or the management of the company. Uh, um, now we have uh, more step of marketing. Uh, we have uh, uh, pilot fishing meeting. We have seed visit, uh, and we have more and more uh, meeting with investors to prepare the the, the, the launch of the IPO, uh, plus all the documentation. So uh, you you should be uh, well organized, uh, and you should have a. Um, a, a number two or, or, or a good management team to uh, to help you to to continue to manage your your company during these six months uh, for 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 all of uh, all of IPOs uh, and during these six months you have to continue to manage your company and your growth. Uh, so first of all, you you need to have a, a strong management team uh, and not only the the CEO or the CFO. 
um, and then um, again the, the the private the private world is more and more uh, uh, close to the public equities you have more and more uh, information and and press release uh, regarding uh, private companies uh, so it will not change your your life uh, but definitely you have to be prepared uh, and you have to adapt uh, yourself uh, to to the IPO as a as a CEO or, or founder in front of investors but you have also to prepare your your company uh, and your um, and your teams uh, to be uh, to be adapt uh, to a, a public uh, public company once again from Jonathan Banet um, so first of all, the, 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 the main constraints, uh, whatever the, the, the cycle and the market condition uh, will be the size. Uh, you, 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 should, um, you should propose um, uh, a size uh, interesting for an, a deal size uh, interesting for investors. Obviously, uh, as you, you have a large audience, uh, you need to have a large deal. Uh, so the, the size of the company uh, should be a, uh, uh, should be uh, uh, enough uh, and should be uh, um, b as bigger as possible uh, and linked to the, the equity story. Um, so this is whatever the market condition uh, and notably when the market condition are tough, uh, liquidity is more, is more important for investors. Um, on the, uh, on, on, uh, and for the other, uh, the other condition to, to be listed, uh, Probably the first of all is to take into account that uh, uh, an IPO is a public uh, public equities and public equities is your IPO, but also the whole market. Uh, investors have choice. They can invest in a thousand and thousand of companies uh, all over the world. Uh, some of them are specialized in a sector or specialized in a, in a country, but uh, uh, overall uh, they have choice. So you have to be uh, the right uh, you have to 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 propose them uh, the right equity story at the right time at the right time uh, sometimes it's growth sometimes it's profitability uh, sometimes it's both and sometimes the market is uh, is closed uh, because uh, uh, there is uh, too much uh, volatility in the market to uh, to be able uh, to uh, to list a company uh, to keep in mind that uh, uh, an ipo is generally four weeks uh, of exposition to the market uh, two weeks of marketing plus two weeks of, uh, of placement. Plus you can add uh, maybe uh, four to six months of preparation, but in terms of market exposition, it's a, a full month of, uh, of market. So you have to, to find the, the right market windows uh, to have a low volatility as much as you can. Uh, it's not a perfect science. Once more from Miley's Ferrer. The, the business should be uh, sufficiently mature to, um, to to be able to, to give a, a, a good predictability in the future. Uh, it's key for a project of IPO. Uh, you need to um, uh, execute and deliver uh, better than what you uh, have given. Uh, and so you need to have a business sufficiently mature and large to be uh, with that perspective of predictability. Then so this is first time, first aspect. Then you need to put in place your a certain number of requirements, control internal control uh, procedures, um, uh, committees, uh, 
analysis of your risk uh, in a certain uh, deep aspect. Uh, so you need to do that, and it can take some time to do that. And then finally, uh, you need your um, uh, reference of uh, IFRS or, or either um, uh, reference uh, accounts ready um, and prepare your documentation. And it's a, the last miles of the preparation of an IPO. So um, the maturity of the business, so it's maybe a certain number of, uh, of years from the, the creation and uh, financing tool, private financing tool before that, and uh, international um, development already done. And uh, then the pre in, inside preparation, I think it could uh, take uh, 11 to uh, 18 months, something like that. And at the last, uh, the accounts and so on, the, the last six months, maybe. And the governance. And we need, uh, alongside that, to prepare the governance with uh, independent board members. Uh, so if you uh, enlarge your your boards, or maybe you, you, you should replace some... Uh, a representative of financial guys. Uh, you, you, it takes time to uh, reorganize the the, um, uh, the governance of the company. Again, from Guillaume Morelli. Well, I, I see three. The first one is uh, what we call the equity story, which is the growth strategy of your company. And uh, you need to write an equity story uh, that is that makes sense not only for the next three years or the next five years, but that makes sense for a, a company that without any limit, then you will have just it. Uh, but you need to write a story uh, uh, for 10, 20, 30, 50 years. You need to write a story about a company that is, has a possibility to become a world leader. And then, of course, the reality of your business uh, will make adjustment. And sometimes it may happen and sometimes uh, it, it may not. But the first thing is uh, think long term, be ambitious and, uh, and, and define your strategy even if you will not be there in 30 years. Uh, I think that your company needs to be bigger than you. Uh, the second thing is, is, is quite important, uh, is when governance uh, attached to uh, the equity story. So you need to have a governance that is adequate to the equity story. Um, if your equity story means that you need to be deployed and become number one in the US and uh, no one at your board speak English, uh, there's an issue, but it's a common joke. But you see that there needs to be an adequation between the key people and the, and the strategy and in terms of uh, uh, and key people being able to to be independent uh, as, a, as, a, as a listed company you need to understand that um, the shareholder will be not be partner they will be shareholder so they will not have an influence on your strategy they will ask you to execute it and we will vote on a yearly basis on the uh, the main, uh, uh, main main recommendation, like on your uh, salary, uh, like uh, on your ability to raise capital in the SWX start, but you, you have a strong power as a, as a board member and as a CEO of a listed company. But the more your power is, the more mature you need to be in terms of uh, being able to have uh, with you people that can challenge you, that can bring you more uh, in, more. Uh, uh, influence on, on, on the quality of your business. And the last point, I think that is very important when you need to consider an IPO, you need to anticipate. An IPO process is six months, but an IPO decision and all what needs to be to have a, to be done to have a successful IPO takes, let's say, a year, maybe closer to two years. 
So you need to anticipate because if you don't have time, you will do it for the bad reason or you will fail. And the more you anticipate, the more prepared you will be, the best uh, life as a listed company will have. Now it's time to look towards the future. The current macro environment has had a significant impact on public and private markets around the world. Jonathan Banet helps clarify what to expect during these economic cycles and the impact of policy decisions ranging from inflation, the war in Ukraine, and the central bank rate hikes. Gilles Sidbon from Sycamore Asset Management shares his view on the psychology of investing in this climate, namely a declining tolerance for unprofitable growth. Guillaume Morelli from Euronext identifies two positive trends we can look forward to, the increase in ESG principles in public equities and a restoration of IPO activity as inflation begins to fall. Jonathan Banet. Um, so maybe we, we, we have to take a, a, a longer time to analyze the situation. Uh, I'm doing that since 15 years and in 15 years you have cycle. Uh, but you have cycle in the economy, you have cycle uh, uh, also in a, in a company. Um, and you, you, when I mean about public equities, you have to, to take this into account. Um, uh, actually, in the market, uh, when I say in the market, in the secondary market, uh, you have uh, very good companies uh, with a, a very good uh, guidance, a very good perspective. Um, and for Uh, reason due to macro environment, uh, due to uh, sector environment, uh, they are uh, heavily impacted by the by the war, for example, in Ukraine, but also uh, by inflation and also by the 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 the, the, the high rate, the, the the increase of the rates, uh, and notably the announcement from the central banks. Um, but you still have few sectors, for example, defense, or, or but also uh, in energy. Uh, like uh, all the all the tech companies uh, around hydrogen, um, uh, and and those companies uh, can still uh, interest uh, investors. And we 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 have few uh, examples uh, recently in Europe and notably in France. Uh, but it's for sure, except than that, uh, the 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 classic uh, tech sector uh, with high growth uh, for now for now. Uh, is less uh, interesting for investors because they have a lot of choice, as I said, in the secondary market uh, with very low valuation and probably that for uh, a funder or, or for uh, uh, private investors, uh, it's not the right time uh, to raise money at this, uh, at this level of valuation. But again, if you have a company, you have probably two options to finance your, your growth uh, or three options. Uh, the first one uh, will be your, your private investors. Second is public equities. And the third one is to adapt uh, your growth and to adapt uh, your capex uh, to, the, to the situation and to, to probably uh, save, your, save your time to, uh, to be in a better position to, uh, to launch uh, the transaction. Here's Gilles Sigbon. Well, I think there's several aspects to this. Uh, one, I think, is a difference of, of psychology between European and, and U.S. investors. I think there's more tolerance for, uh, uh, you know, unprofitable growth, or as long as it's supported by strong uh, unit economics. Uh, I guess European investors are more focused on 
you know, EBITDA and, and free cash flow, we've seen in the context of the rising tide of interest rates and, and li liquidity being withdrawn from the markets, that suddenly there's less tolerance for unprofitable growth, and that's why we've seen some of the stocks on the NASDAQ being down, you know, 60, 70, 80 percent um, for the, some of the unprofitable growth names, regardless of, um, of uh, you know, fundamentals of, of growth. And, and we've seen, we've had, you know, uh, uh, several portfolio companies, um, some of them in Europe with the Unchained fundamentals, if not better, and still the stock's being down, you know, 50 to 70 percent. So um, it's really more uh, a function of of, uh, of, uh, of the rates again discussion. But I guess the difference between you know why could companies get away with it in the U.S. versus Europe, which is the gist of your question. I think this psychology and I guess it was probably more investor psychology and there was more uh, liquidity uh, available. Guillaume Morelli. Um, we see two trends, uh, two clear trends uh, as of today. The first one is that the, uh, there is more and more uh, uh, projects with a strong uh, EAG pattern either on clean tech, but also on a company in a regular uh, sector, but with a strong ESG uh, DNA uh, that are uh, coming to the market. And, and this is due to the strong growth of this part of our ecosystem, but this is also due to the, the, the way how public equity has uh, evolved uh, and, uh, and, and over finance in Europe. And the huge majority include the ENG uh, criteria within their investments. And, um, and, and so this is a key, 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 key way to succeed, is to have a strong ESG DNA, a strong ESG ambition, and this is very important. Um, the second trend that we can see is that um, as long, when we will have more visibility about uh, our ability to reduce inflation and uh, to prevent our economy to, to crack, um, then the number of IPO uh, uh, will uh, will uh, will will increase back, enfin, will increase significantly again. So as of today, we have a significant number of IPO that are maybe not freeze but slowed due to uncertainties regarding the economic outcome. Here's a final word from Alice Albizati, another founding partner at Revaya. We are currently experiencing important market turbulence, which have put on hold most IPO projects. As a matter of fact, nowadays we're observing more tech private than tech public of scale-ups globally. But we believe that during this time of high uncertainty, it is of tremendous importance to keep forward thinking and to build a path to the most relevant exits out of Europe. So we'd like to leverage this period to help prepare the IPO window reopening and to foster the grant for healthy exit out of Europe. We believe that there is not only an opportunity for a step change in value creation, but also a chance to improve the relationship between business, environment and society. And this is what we call the sustainable innovation space. So leaders globally are now 
pushing for more and more environmental policy and innovation, and the path to IPO might be a milestone to explore this journey. We'd like to thank our partners, listeners, for your contribution and support for this podcast. And we look forward to sharing our detailed report with you in the coming weeks. If you haven't had a chance to listen to previous interviews, feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow our social channels to get a copy of the upcoming written report that includes data, expert analysis, and commentary from our panel of thought leaders. Thanks for listening to Inflection Point, the path to IPO.